your people have come into your house to declare to the world that you have risen. We thank you, O oh God, because, Lord, you have risen from the dead. Lord, when many others who have died have not risen, today we can lift up the name of Jesus because he is risen. Hallelujah. This morning we come before your throne. Lord, your people have come to hear from you. This is your church. These are your people. This pulpit belongs to you, O oh God. And Lord, I'm just a mouthpiece. This morning I pray that you would speak a word to your people. That Lord, that you would touch your people. They would feel your presence, Lord of God. They would feel the tug in their hearts, O oh God. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in each one of their lives. For you know each one what they're going through and what each one of us needs. We promise to give you the glory, the honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Please be seated. For our time of meditation today, can we turn to John chapter 20? John chapter 20, we're going to read a lengthy portion. Um, John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18, if someone can read that for me. John chapter 18, I'm sorry, John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18.
Thank you, brother. When you look at the Gospels, all four Gospels talk about the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, they talk about the crucifixion, the betrayal, and the resurrection. But I like to concentrate on John this morning because each one of the authors gives us a different snippet into the crucifixion, the betrayal, and the burial of Jesus. As we turn to John chapter 20, and we have read the following verses, there are five characters that this points out, five main characters in John chapter 20. One of them starts with Mary Magdalene. The other one, of course, is Jesus. Then it talks about two, which is Peter and John. And the last one, of course, it talks about is Thomas. I'm not going to have time to talk about all five this morning, but I would like to start with the first one. And the first one is Mary Magdalene. Now, in the Bible, there are not many scriptures that refer to Mary Magdalene. In fact, in all of the four Gospels, there are only few scriptures, I think it's a total of maybe 13 to 18 scriptures that talk about Mary Magdalene. But if you were to turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 8, it talks about how and where Mary Magdalene came from, meaning what happened to her. How did Jesus impact this lady? What was it that Mary Magdalene had or found in Jesus? And so when we look at the scriptures, we find that Mary Magdalene was possessed with seven demons. Now, granted, one demon is bad enough, but having seven demons, can you imagine the plight of this woman? How emotionally, physically, and mentally she was tortured. How she had unrest. How she was afflicted. When these demons possessed her, imagine her situation and her life. But then Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus heals her and sets her free. Imagine the freedom that she has after Jesus has set her free. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8 that from then on that she travels with Jesus to cities and villages. Because Jesus had healed her, her love for Jesus, her devotion for Jesus starts to grow. And so she starts to travel to the cities and the villages that Jesus goes to. It doesn't stop there. If you keep on reading in Luke chapter 8, the next portion it says in verse 3, it says that she gave her, she supported Jesus' ministry. Not only Jesus, she supported Jesus and his disciples and their ministries. So not only did she follow Jesus, she went a step further and now she's supporting the ministry by whatever means that she had. Her love for Jesus grows. But the next time that we find Mary Magdalene is standing at the foot of the cross. And at the foot of the cross, she's looking at the cross in John chapter 19. And she's left there because Jesus is crucified on the cross. She's standing there by the cross. 
Her heart is crying out because her master, her savior, has just been crucified. The one she has followed, the one she has devoted her life to, has been crucified. Notice, there are not many other disciples except for John with her. The disciples who had a closer walk with Jesus, who saw the miracles that Jesus did, who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, they had fled. They were afraid. But Mary, at this point, was not. She was not afraid of what the persecution might come. She stood, the Bible says, near the cross. The next time we meant that we find Mary is in Mark chapter 16, when she is taking the body of Jesus with Joseph Arimathea down from the cross. And they are wrapping the body of Jesus and they are placing it in the tomb. Her love for Jesus could not see Jesus standing on the, I'm sorry, being crucified on the cross. She wanted to remove the body with the others from the cross. Her desire to take care of the body of Jesus. And the next time we find her is in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, we find that she gets up early in the morning. The Bible says that it was still dark outside. She gets up, and what does she do? Luke, it says that she begins to prepare spices and ointment for Jesus. Her devotion for Jesus made her to get up early in the morning. Does our devotion for Jesus desire us or push us to get up early in the morning to praise our God? Does our devotion for Jesus uh, push us to read the scriptures? Does our devotion for Jesus push us like it did Mary Magdalene? Now, I want you to understand, Mary Magdalene was healed, or should I say delivered, but her love for Jesus and devotion for Jesus grew each step of the way. And so she woke up early in the morning and prepared these spices and these ointments. And she decides to go, to go to the tomb. Now I want you to know that she knew there was a stone in front of the tomb. Having known that there was a stone there, did not stop Mary from going to the tomb. Having a stone placed at the tomb did not stop Mary from preparing the spices and the ointment in the morning. She was diligent to do what she had to do when she could do it. But the stone was still there. In fact, you'll see in verse in, in, uh, in another book uh, in one of the gospels that she voiced her concern saying, who is going to remove this stone? There are many stones that come into our lives. There are stones that block us from receiving what God has given or ordained for us. There are stones that stop us from inheriting certain things from the kingdom of God. But what does that make us do? 
For Mary, that stone did not stop her at all. She kept on doing what she had to do. She took a step of faith. This morning, is something stopping you? Is there a stone that's blocking you? What are you doing about that stone? Are you saying, looking at that stone and saying, you know what? It's not worth it. I'll be very honest with you. If I was Mary Magdalene, I would have said, you know what? There's no point in me preparing all the spices and ointment. There is no point in me getting up in the morning because there's a stone there. I first need to know that the stone is removed before I can venture out. But that wasn't Mary. Her desire and devotion to God was that she wanted to do something. Notice, none of the other disciples did anything. It was Mary that had the desire. And so, and Mary had stepped out. And Mary that started walking to the tomb. Does our stones that are in place stop us from doing things for the kingdom of God? Does it make us stagnant? Does it stop us from going, taking a step of faith? You know, when we take a step of faith for God, God will take several steps to meet us. It's when she started walking. As she walked toward the tomb, she said, who's going to remove that stone? And the Bible says, that when she got there, the stone was removed. This morning, if you have stone that is being blocking your destiny, I pray that the Lord will remove those stones. But it requires an action from us. It doesn't require us to sit on ourselves and wait. It requires us to take an action. The action is faith. Faith is the currency that God works through. When the centurion came to the man about his servant, Jesus told him, listen. I mean, the man said, listen, you don't have to come to my house. You, all you have to do is say a word. One word. See, the centurion understood the power of a word. The centurion understood that when he spoke something, somebody was going to move. But he also realized that when Jesus spoke something, something had to happen. This morning, when you and I speak, because the Bible says you and I have been given authority. So we have the authority in Jesus' name. But there is something that comes with that authority. It's faith. And it's not great faith that God is looking for. The Bible says he's looking for a faith of a mustard seed. A faith of a mustard seed. It's a small little seed. That's the amount of faith that God is looking for. Very small. But it takes an action. Do you have faith? As we continue going, what happens? As she proceeds to the tomb, she goes and sees that the tomb, is the, the stone has been rolled away. And as you continue down in John chapter 20, 
in verse 11, I believe. She's sitting there and waiting, crying. She's sitting there and crying outside the tomb. She hasn't gone in yet, but she knows the body's not there. She knows the body's not there. And so what happens? As she's sitting in outside, she decides to go inside the tomb. As she goes inside the tomb, I want you to notice something. She sees two angels. Two celestial beings she sees. She not only sees two angels, she hears two angels. They speak to her. Having heard their response, if it was me, I would say, okay, they told me I'm going to go home now. There's nothing else for me to do. I'm just going to go home. But Mary didn't do that. Her love for Jesus, her desire for Jesus caused her to linger. It caused her to stay there. Last week we heard about remaining in Christ. Being attached to the wine. She did not run away. She lingered in there, in that place. Because her desire was not satisfied. Her desire was not met. And so she lingered. To better understand this word linger, um, this past year, as you know, we went through COVID. And I'm not a person that does much in the kitchen. The only thing I like to do in the kitchen is eat. But this past year, since we all were in the house, we all kept on eating. So the food didn't stay too long. And so my wife was getting overwhelmed with the cooking. And so I, she asked me, hey, why don't you help? So I, I said, okay, I don't know what to do. I have, my mom is sitting here. She'll tell you that she didn't raise two boys to sit in the kitchen, but she too raised two boys to wash and clean. And so we washed and cleaned. We didn't cook. In fact, my dad and my mom cooked. They cooked almost everything that we needed. And so as my wife was telling, I told her, okay, tell me what to do. I, I don't, I have not been, you know, I'm not familiar with the kitchen. And so the first task I had was to clean the chicken, all right? And I, you know, tip, I don't know about you guys. So I just said, okay, fine. I just started doing what I thought was proper, right? Not understanding that there's a proper way to clean and there's things that we're supposed to use to clean the chicken and all that. I had no clue. So I, I, got, I got taught how to clean a chicken. And then came to marinate the chicken. And I was like, okay. I said, this is too much for me. Just tell me, or better yet, you prepare the marinade and I can just put it on. Makes it easier for me. I don't have to worry about two cups of this, two spoons of this, one quarter of this, three quarters of this. It was just, it was just too much for me. I said, just prepare the marinade and I can just put it on the chicken. Well, I understood the process of marination, which I never had a clue before. So I understood that if you take the marinade and apply to the chicken and then cook the chicken, the chicken does not taste that well. It does not taste that good. But if you take that marinade and apply it to the chicken 
and now you place that chicken in the fridge and let that marinade soak into the chicken, the taste differs vastly. What you're doing is the, the marinade has time to soak through the chicken into the bone. This is what lingering in the presence of God means. You are allowing the presence of God to not just to get you on the outside, but to go to the very core of your heart so it sinks in and absorbs the complete presence of God, not just on the exterior surface, but on the interior and every part of your body. She lingered. She stayed because she wasn't satisfied. She had thought they had taken the body of Jesus and she wanted to understand, where have you laid him? Please tell me. And so she sees another person, thinking it's the gardener. She turns to him and she says, sir, where have they taken if you tell me, now notice her response. If you tell me, I will take the body away. I will bring it back. She was willing to carry the body of Jesus. That was her concern. That was so important to her, to get the body of Jesus. What does our desire and our love for Jesus make us do? What does it make us do? Does it make us thirsty and hungry for Jesus? Does it make us chase after Jesus? Does it make us to hear his word anxiously? Does it make us to read his word with such a, a, a desire? Does it make us to fall on our knees and say, Lord, I want to feel your presence. I miss it, your presence. What does that desire makes us do? Finally, Jesus turns to her and calls her Mary. That is all Mary needed to hear to recognize it was Jesus. She heard the voice and instantly recognized it was Jesus. I thought about that for a minute. There are many voices we hear. Do we know the voice of Jesus? Can we distinguish the voice of Jesus? There are many voices that we hear in our minds. Can we distinguish the voice of Jesus from every other voice? Is it that we cannot tell? Because there's so many voices going. We can't tell who's who. But Mary knew. Mary, when she heard the voice, knew it was Jesus. The Bible says, my sheep hear it. Know it. This morning, out of all the voices that you hear in this world and in your mind, 
Can you distinguish Jesus from that voice? Can you distinguish Jesus from that voice? And so what happens as we continue? Jesus now decides to honor her. Do you know how Jesus honored her? She became the first person to see Jesus. It wasn't a disciple that saw Jesus. It wasn't one of the 12 that saw Jesus. It wasn't one of the three that saw Jesus. It wasn't even the one that was leaning on his chest that saw Jesus. Mary Magdalene was the first one to see Jesus. Her desire and devotion toward Jesus and hunger for Jesus, Jesus rewarded her by being the first one. But do you know what's so unique about this? What's so unique about this is that in ancient times, in ancient, in ancient East times, a woman's testimony was not even credible in the court of law. In the court of law in those times, a woman's testimony was not even credible. But Jesus breaks the barrier and tells her, listen, I want you to go tell my disciples. I want you to go tell my disciples that I am risen. She became the witness of foreseeing Jesus the first time to the disciples, to the one that followed Jesus, to the three that were the closest to Jesus, and especially to the one that was the closest leaning on his chest. She became the witness to all. Her love and devotion to Jesus. This morning, again I ask, what does our love and devotion make us do? Does it make us to stay near the cross? Does it make us to, to get up early and prepare things? Does it make us want to hunger and thirst after Jesus? You know, Mary, again, was not a true disciple. But God honored her for her devotion and a love to the master. May God bless you. Please rise.